Welcome to Serially Hook Star Wars, where your hooker is Chris and Rashad. And today, can one ever be too aggressive in preserving order? Today, we'll be discussing the eighth episode of Andor. And for the rest of the week, we have a D&D coming out this week. No promises when, but it will be some time between tomorrow and the end of the week. And next weekend, hopefully, we'll also be having our conversation for the next episode of Andor. We're finally slowing down a little bit with the end of House of the Dragon. How does that make you feel, Chris? Kind of relieved because uh, I started a new job uh, a few weeks ago. And three episodes a week is not conducive to full-time work. No, it is not. So I guess with that, anarchy is a seductive concept. I don't have any like fun way to end that, but that's just a great quote. I wanted to put it up front. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Great quotes this, this week for sure. Um, how do you feel about this episode? Okay, Chris. Let me take a second oh. here to talk about how okay. fucking great this show is. I don't understand <laughs> how they're making such an amazing show every single week in an, another episode where nothing really happens. I guess some things happen, but like... It's just another table setting episode and in it is just such richness and creativity and just amazing ideas combined with like unique set like uh, specificity that makes you feel like the whole world is thought of and very um, coherent in uh, it is just. Uh, I like I I like thought at the end of this episode that this was gonna be okay. Maybe this is my least favorite episode of the season, but that was like, uh, but no, not really. But also like every episode of this season is so good. I I am just in awe of what they're doing on a week to week basis, and it is nothing short of just spectacular. Yeah, I definitely agree. We really see with this show how. How much value you can get out of taking your time and not rushing things as so many other shows do. And I think you can really tell here already that, you know, they they do, as we have mentioned before, they do have this structure of three episode arcs. And I I like this a lot that that you have like the set the setup episode basically where you get to know what what is going to happen in the new in the next few episodes and you you have all, you always have slight shifts with the characters with the locations and i'm very happy about this this is such a good show and just a delight um i'm so happy we get to see some new characters slash old familiar characters but new to the show and i can't wait to talk about them later in our scenes but i love as well a lot of small visual things Uh, we have the desaturated color at the very beginning we have i think visually my highlight this time that i was almost i would say Edgar Wright-esque, which in my books is one of the highest praises I can give, is the Faden of Narkana 5's name in the trail of the transport ship. When I saw that, I was just, I was, I was basically cheering out loud 
because I thought that that was a great way of doing it. It's a small thing, but I like it a lot. And the uh, the performances in this episode, again, knocked it out of the park. And I'm just so happy. I'm I'm just happy with with this show. Didn't didn't see that coming, to be honest. <laughs> I feel like I say that every week, but this has restored hope in me again. Andor, you are my last hope. And it's coming through every single week. I just want to talk really quickly about um Narkina 5. Yes. What a freaking prison. I'm just mm-hmm. like it's so ferocious in a way. It is like it's it's incredible how it's not like a you know your typical scary quote unquote prison is this is you know it, it's full of a bunch of like really tough people who are just gonna beat you up and you're gonna have to fight your way through and it's gonna you know that's like kind of the vibe you get it's dirty it's dank this kind of thing this prison here is super clean super orderly yeah there's like the the andy circus as kino lay kino loy is just like a tough guy sure but it's it's just psychologically insane and it just it Mm. breaks you down it's what an incredible depiction of a prison and the way that the it's set up to torture your soul to the point where that at the end you we see the guy who basically commits suicide on the floor it is oh what an amazing and the way that they Okay, the visual design of it. First of all, let's 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 break this down. The visual design: these long white corridors. What do we think of with white corridors in Star Wars? We think of the rebellion. We think of uh, mm-hmm. the first scene in A New Hope. It is white corridors in this way, but it's inverting that in such a horrific way. And also, this like sense of order that's created with it. You see all the little details of people having to like you know you see how they have to stand in certain certain positions at certain times they have their all all their bunkers don't even have they don't have even bars on their bunkers because it's <laughs> so like tragic their space that they're in and the way that the little psychological tortures details like putting the number of how much your sentence is left on like in full display in front of you and just like as a psychological torture to show you how much you have left to go and how your sentence can just be doubled randomly for no reason and I mean, it's like they do little callbacks to it where one of the characters tells Cassian, don't look at the the number. It's going to drive you crazy. But they put the number there on purpose. And then also, not only is this a prison, it's a prison, but within it, it's also uh, a game. And that game aspect, gamifying the prison to pit yourself against the other prisoners creates enemies of each other and keeps it the, the psychological, like, like torture keep bearing down on you in a way that is absolutely insane and the the oh my god this prison from a to z is just absolutely incredible and also when you put it on top how we're introduced to it is is just an otherworldly how cassian comes in note note that cassian has very very little dialogue in this episode it's all conveyed on diego luna's face and he does such a great job of conveying the horror, the confusion, and the the journey to acceptance that he takes through this episode of where he is in this in this place. And conceivably, 
at some point he's going to leave this obviously we know that we know it's where it's going and that's kind of the cool thing that they're playing with they're dropping little hints in visual cues throughout the episode that's leading us to a direction where we think we're going to get but some of them may be red herrings some of them may be things that are uh, actually going to come to fruition in the um, escape or the prison break and this show is just on a whole freaking level like it's just ah so good (laughs) absolutely and i i liked how they introduced this as well with the uh the contrast between the prisoners who were you know the the prisoners who started there oh no all the prisoners right who are barefooted and uh all the all the guards who wear these boots that protect them and yeah that just goes to the psychological torture that immediately gives you a sort of power structure here and the competition aspect we're going to talk about that later but I'm I I always think with dystopian things like this there's somebody who's going to watch this and thinking about implementing that in the real life. I've had this thought with a lot of dystopian things where whether that's novels or uh movies or whatever else because history has shown th- some things that show up first in fiction get implemented in real life later on and <laughs> let's just hope it doesn't come to that because that seems to be a an incredibly efficient way of building a prison not least of all the competition aspect which basically you know it breaks down the prison population into groups of seven and and thus more or less makes it impossible or at least very very difficult for you know huge riots or anything to break out not you know obviously the technology prevents that somewhat as well but also there is no fraternization in between the prison population and that shot as well where where after cassian's group got uh got punished and they're all waiting in this long hallway and he just looks down i don't know if there's one of your scenes i don't want to take that away from you but just you see the you see the sheer size of this thing and how how many people are in there and and also because when we when we see yeah i don't know it's just it's just incredible and the whiteness of it, it kind of reminded me of apple store design language weirdly um also like very particularly but um that's just a quick aside but we get so many so many different locations as well in this episode that i think is a testament to the show how they managed to show us so many places and so many characters and i have no trouble keeping track of any of them and this show this show is just if they don't win awards for that I'm going to be furious. They will. I'm sure they will at some point. I guess we'll have to tune into the next Emmys. And if we don't, we can create our own Emmys in protest. <laughs> uh, may, may, you know, dear listener, keep your, keep your eyes open for something that might be in Serial Hook's future. Who knows? A couple notes that I want to talk about before we get into the scenes, if that's okay. Um, 
one thing, you know, not R.I.P., but and not pour one out because she's not dead yet, but poor Bix, man. <laughs> like, she really got, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the worst end of everything. And I felt really bad for her, honestly. Um, I mean, the, the, the guard, this is a very small note, the guard who commands the stormtroopers to go and, like, catch her, the way he screams, get her was absolutely just like whoa yeah, that was that was ins- that was very intense <laughs> what a little casting choice but it really just put the fear of god into me i was like oh my god what is happening right it's just it, absolutely insane and then obviously like at the very end we see deidre like close the door behind bix as she comes in to and you know conceivably she'll be tortured for this and you know just evidence of the people who did nothing in the face of the empire getting hurt for almost no reason. And this is a theme that we've seen. And this is something that Luthen is setting into motion. And I found that, you know, that call and response evidenced in this show so well, because last episode we see Luthen saying, we need the empire to clamp down more. We need more torture and all these things that people will suffer. And on the flip side, we see what's happening on the ground in Ferrix. We see how these decisions that are being made are affecting people that we care about as viewers and this rebellion is going to come out of this as Luthen is predicting but it's amazing that they're able to get us to invest in these characters and just not only show us what's happening at the high level but also show us what's happening on the ground level simultaneously and as you said no matter how many people they show us no matter where we go we're able to know who we're talking about where we are and all these little details and it was just absolutely incredible and it's not just bix i mean we have definitely come to care about her but in the prison we learn that all of the sentences just got doubled as we previously mentioned and yeah that is also a direct outcome of of course you know the empire but also the you know what happens on aldani and yeah again we we just see the results of it and yeah it it's just chilling how how you know the uh, the empire can just decide something that just affects so many people do you have any scenes that are from that party sequence no i don't have any party scenes okay because i just wanted to talk about another thing that they do so good in this show and that is imbuing backstory into every single character and yes. the oh, chandrillan so traditions that we learn in this episode yeah. Are just they're incredible in how they convey not only you know traditions and give background. So now we know why they drink these squids in their champagne in Chandrilla. <laughs> they're just like what, but still they are just like they not only do that, but then they also layer that with information about the characters relationships with one another for example when mon mothma is talking about her mon mothma and her husband are talking about how they got married and how it was tradition and it was an arranged marriage and all these things it's just like oh that makes sense and then that that creates a backstory for their cold relationship and potential tension in the future and it's it's just there's this all of this going on all at once and it was absolutely it just it is an amazing way that people just as if they are normally having a conversation it just feels so real and lived in so it's just it's knocking it out of the park every single time this show the scope and the structure of this show really remind me of game of thrones because it is we have we have this 
in this episode, we have so many different places and we see a lot of them only for a few scenes that aren't especially long anyway, but it's it's really Game of Thrones-esque, which I think just speaks to the show that just accomplished to do that all in six episodes. I'm just in awe every single time I'm watching this show. So, yay. Yeah. I, I just, the thing <laughs> is, like, one thing that does upset me is that this show, by all metrics, is the least watched Star Wars Disney show and mm. one of the most, like, one of the least successful Disney shows ever released, uh, 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 like Marvel and or Disney Plus shows. And that yeah. is just... I have a feeling that once this comes in the award season and wins stuff and gains momentum, more people will come and watch this. And anyone who's like a hardcore Star Wars fan or even medium core, like I would could classify us as medium core Star Wars fans. Um, they yeah. like will be watching this show no matter what. But it's about the general population and the general audience. And a lot of people are not watching this show. And that is really, really sad for me uh, because I want this. And I don't think that um that'll necessarily be a bad thing because i think that the critical acclaim that the show is getting will push disney to do similar type of creative decisions for more uh wider audience stuff if that makes sense it's things that will appeal to other people potentially or more people but it is sad in this moment that andor itself is not it should be the most watched disney plus show ever because it's in my mind the best disney plus show made period so far yeah and I think, I mean, that is definitely Disney's fault because everybody who just has a slight interest in Star Wars just got two shit shit shows, literally shitty shows this year. And why would they watch a third one? Yeah, I don't think that's... Uh, partially, yes, that's true. But I think the bigger thing is that for a lot of people, they're just... They're not. They didn't watch the Boba Fett show either or they only watched the Obi-Wan show because they only... Tar- they only there's a lot of people who are interested only in the big ticket characters and if they don't recognize the name on the title they're not going to watch mm-hmm. it and a lot of people don't know who cassian andor is because they either didn't see rogue one or they don't even remember his name because he was you know i he was a lead he was one of the leads in rogue one but he wasn't like the core center jay nurso jay nurso was so i think there is it's partially their fault because the shows have been bad since the mandalorian but it's also in the nature of the show that is being presented to us. Yeah, that's very true. You know, also a name like Obi Wan Kenobi just has so much weight behind it. So if people just watch a show, it's going to be that one. Unfortunately, but you know we're in a great time right now, so we're going to enjoy it because I'm having so much fun. Yeah, same. So should we get into our scenes? Absolutely. What's your fourth scene? My fourth scene is the surprising appearance of Valencenter uh, on Ferrix. That's my number four as well. Ah, nice. Yeah, after we see Bix and Brasso checking up on Marva, which is not really part of that scene, but it you know it's in sequence, and their conversation, I just really like it. It is. A very sad scene for Vel, uh, who was hoping for some quality time together with Cinta, but Cinta, you know, kind of rebuffs her and says the the, the cause of the struggle comes for always comes first, and I really felt for here for her here, and also incredibly well acted on on both 
actresses parts but you know the pain on Val's face is just so tangible and I can I can totally you know see what she's feeling and also you know the 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 one thing that Cinta says at the end you know I'm a mirror I reflect things back onto you that you need to see and it's a very interesting relationship the two of them are having and I think it is just incredibly written because they never they 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 just they they just you know they I don't know it's it's I'm I'm it's just so well written because they it's it's not a word too much it is just enough so we can all fill in the gaps but they don't have to outright state something or make grand gestures everything is there in the few lines that they exchange and in the acting and I love this scene so much it's a small scene but I just had to include it because it's great also for you know representation is also great uh for that um so i just love that the characterization and uh, yes amazing their relationship is i think incredibly depicted from the very beginning from the way we learned about them sharing a bed together via skiing and they have that like just they peel back the layers slowly the you can see the development of them on the you know on the water tower before vel jumps off in the heist episode there's just it's incredible. And in this sequence, as you, you mentioned, the, the two quotes that really I loved, but I just want to read out uh, what uh, Cinta exactly says when she says, struggle will always come first. We take what's left. That yeah. is absolutely incredible and heart-wrenching. And it just shows how Cinta, as we learned from her backstory, that she was, her, her entire family was murdered by the by stormtroopers, that she is, like, it is such a level of conviction that it is will like she's willing to do anything for that and while Val is you know in love with Cinta I mean conceivably we didn't actually hear yes. those words but you know but you can see it you can see it yeah yeah I think this is a primer and and there's another shot later with Val when she looks a little bit worried where I think this is leading us to see that Val is eventually going to not backstab Luthen but maybe help Cassian instead of kill him or something and I think that might be an interesting turn for her, the character. I, I just like the way that she was uncomfortable when um, Clea uh, told her to kill Cassian. I think that was um, an interesting, uh, it's a precursor for s- some future change, I think. So that, that was a thought that I had as well. Yeah, just great. My third scene is the return of Saw Gerrera. Oh, uh, that's that's coming up for me later. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. <laughs> uh, and yeah, maybe it should have been my number two now that I think about it. But uh, we'll we'll talk about it when it comes on my list. That's exactly. All right. Okay. It cool. should be my number two anyway, so that's fine. <laughs> all right. So my number three is the conversation between Cyril and Deidre. Mm-hmm. When uh, after Deidre's done. Um, What's the word? Interrogating Cyril or questioning Cyril. Um, he stands up for himself and he says, "Can I, as from the quote that I came from the top today, can one ever be too aggressive in preserving order? I thought him, I thought, I thought that there were, their two paths would collide for sure. I'm, I was kind of mm-hmm. on a, it took me aback a when it came so fast. So I found that really interesting that it did come that way. So 
Um, and I was expecting them to, you know, buddy, buddy up, team up, but I like them having conflict between them up front. And there's no way Serial stays off this because we've seen that he is completely obsessed and he's going to find a way, I think, to win over Deidre and join the ISB. That's my um, prediction. But I guess mm-hmm. we're, we're going to find out. But I just loved, you know, first of all, Deidre just basically poo-poos him like he's nothing. And that's the whole tense of the conversation. But then he comes up to stand up for himself in a way that is really interesting, not in, in a way that he couldn't do to his boss in the corporate uh, in the corporation. I forget what it was called. Um, and when he was able, he had to do it all behind his back when the boss was gone. But in this case, he's like, you can see his character getting stronger and stronger in his resolve. And I really, I'm just so excited to see their two um, paths move forward. Yeah, that is what should have been my th- number three. So I'm just switching that as well. <laughs> so, so that Saw is my number two, and this is my number three. Uh, All right, should should have should have done should I should have done it that way because I think yeah, it is a great exchange. Uh, I agree with you wholeheartedly that they. I, I like that they when they first meet, they don't just you know come together and form a team, but that there is conflict there and. I love that he stands up for himself. That is a that is something that I think has been brewing in him for a long time, and now, you know, he's just so indignant about the uh, the phrasing of Deirdre, <laughs> and it's just like, what the fuck do you mean? Like, I'm I'm not just you know a, a helper here. I'm I'm the person who has one of the best overviews, and obviously is obsessed with it. And yeah, I'm just very curious about how their relationship is going to develop in the future and i think they are definitely two minds that are very much alike in certain ways and yeah i think they will make a great team to basically hunt down cassian so my number two is clea and luthan talking to each other this is kind mm-hmm. of a smaller scene as well, but it's a scene where I think it reestablishes the relationship between Clea and Luthen in so many ways. Because, one, it shows that Clea is actually basically a partner to Luthen and isn't actually subservient to him. In some ways, she is, because he call, he makes the final decision on shutting down um, the Ferex communication. But I think um, Clea has more agency than we were led to believe in the beginning. And it also, for me, clarifies a question that I had after last episode. Because over last episode, I was thinking, was Clea's actions sanctioned by Luthen or was she going rogue, basically? Mm-hmm. And this answers the question that it's actually Luthen that I was answering, asking for the kill of killing a Cassian. And it is, I just really like their relationship. I love Clea being strong partner to Luthen. And also, on the flip side of things, I like how Luthen here, the way he talks about not being not slipping and he's just been hiding for too long and it seems to be a, a, an air of desperation and it shows that he's desperate to hold on to this skill or this ability to fight the empire and make this change for some reason so it's i really want to get into the background of luthans and also any scene that has Stellan skarsgård in it i'm just like <laughs> yes please and you can you can guess what my number one is but it is <laughs> i just really love this scene so much and i think that's um it is a, a 
in some ways another relationship building character building scene and i just want more of it yes i i really like this scene as well i, I love the you know we, we see a lot of of their relationship but i think now it's time to talk about the next scene in which luthan we find out about one of luthan's relationship which is you know my number two probably your number one saw guerrera definitely my number one i was that's yes. why i was saving it for my number one yeah i know <laughs> yeah and I love I love the discussion about you know especially the philosophical political differences about how Saul's mind works as well. We get we get Luthen's quote about oppression breeds rebellion. Luthen wants to wants Saul to meet with someone called Anto Krieger, I think. Yeah, we haven't heard his name before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was I was wrecking my brain about whether we have heard that name before, but yeah, it didn't come up with anything. And then yeah, again, like Saw's mind, I, I like that a lot. It's not the overly paranoid from Rogue One, but you know, his distinction between neo republican is what he, he labels himself, and the separatists that Krieger is a part of. I really like that. And then especially the quip at the end where he says, oh yeah, I never, I've never gotten a feel out of you, Luthen, which side you fall on. And it's just an incredible exchange between two people who have dedicated their life to fight against the Empire. And, you know, from in two very different ways, but, you know, it's a great, it's a great meeting of, of the minds. So two things, one thing, or no, a bunch of things, <laughs> so sit back. But one thing I want to clarify, he doesn't <laughs> label himself as New Republicanist. He's not that. He admonishes them. Um, he is an oh, anarchist. Okay. Uh, so in that list, when he he talks about the different sects of the uh, of the rebellion, or the nascent rebellion, he talks, he says, oh, the separatists, the Neo Republicanists, the Gorman Front, the Partisan Alliance, the Sectorists, the Human Cultists, the Galaxy Partitionists, all these different sects are the things that he is rebelling against. And... Um, it is Luthen who labels him as, as an anarchist here, and it is um, Saw Gerrera who sees himself as independent because um, he. Uh, I think it's just this message speaks so much more about how do you find a common cause in a rebellion and how rebellion or just any fighting of change or wanting something to be different. There's so many different varying interests, and people have specific things that they want to get accomplished, and. It is is all laid out bare in this conversation between Saw and Luthen, and Saw kind of does see it in the way that they're all hypocrites and looking for their own self interest, but he doesn't have the ability or the ability to trust those around him. And I really like this how seeing more about Saw brings us into why it's interesting and valuable to see shows like Clone Wars and Rebels where you get more background with Saw as a character and you get to see the reasons why he is unable to trust anyone around him because it is it is the separatists and in the in, in the Clone Wars that his sister died and his sister was his his guiding light and the oh spoiler alert for Clone Wars by the way sorry uh but Uh, (laughs) sorry about that uh but yeah so he lost his sister in the war and he therefore can't trust anyone and it was it was his sister who kind of moderated him and and harnessed his 
um, battle skills for the betterment of the at that time the their local rebellion against the separatist uh, uh, occupation. But that aside, I I love how this is a message about a rebellion and change and wanting and trying to find common cause and those who who often who don't find the causes that they want within the sec- the established sects in the change turn towards anarchy and Luthen is seeing the the broader picture and understands that anarchy although he says it anarchy is a seductive concept but it is not effective in what they want to accomplish and they're going to end up with he says we'll die we'll die with nothing if we don't put aside our petty differences and for me you basically could be talking to the liberal party in almost any country in the world <laughs> so it's just like it's <laughs> it is so it's just incredible um how this works in a lot of different uh, uh you know spaces so i just like love this conversation and then that even gets me to the very beginning of the conversation which is so funny how they're just going back and forth being like this you this you this you and i just mm-hmm. i love this back and forth between him and saw and it establishes on the one hand how close they are in their relationship and it serves to do that specific purpose to be like oh they know each other quite well they have worked with each other for a while, and it is built into this conversation in a, a very entertaining and somewhat humorous way. And it is uh, just this conversation. I love how when Luthen is asked the question, what are you? His answer, just saying, I am a coward. It's, <laughs> it's, I think it's more honest than he, we are led to believe. I think mm-hmm. it's sort of a Freudian slip in the way that it's how Luthen sees himself. And he tries to put on this strength. Uh, and he is just, it's just, I think Saw Guerrera is a person who sees through bullshit and Luthen knows it. So he has to let out a little bit of truth here to kind of try and make this work. But in the end, he doesn't get the sale, of course. And it's kind of a like somewhat of a moot point. It is a great scene to see Saw, to see Luthen, to see their development. And, and also get to see messages about rebellion and change and anarchy and the relationship with established uh, um, movements for change and all these things. It's just what a scene. It it made me think of so many things. And the, um, the political philosophy that this show between Nemec and this conversation is giving us is, oh man, it really, really, it will beg a rewatch and a rethinking. And I might have to write my own manifesto. I mean, we've, this is the third Rashad monologue this episode. So I think, dear listener, you can clearly tell how much uh Rashad is in love with the show. I am um, literally smiling right now you <laughs> <laughs> I can hear it. I can hear it. Yeah, and I think it's great that you you know bring it back to Namek because I think this conversation is an you know yeah bring brings us back to Aldani and that group that we saw because we just see that there are myriads of reasons to uh join the rebellion and or rather a rebellion because it is just an amorphous blob of people who roughly have the same goal but if you know whenever they'd over like topple the empire they would have very very different visions of what is going to come next and if history has taught us anything would then go to fight each other uh and i think you can just clearly see it and i think yeah it's it's a great way the writers of the show have accomplished this in basically 
two different settings. This is the third setting, though. Like, this is the thing. It's like, we're getting another setting, and it's just... It's true. Yeah. Uh, Ferrix incredible. was the same, yeah. It's yeah. true. Everywhere you go, it's incredible. Yeah. Damn. Okay, I'm just going to quickly talk about my number one. Bring us home, Chris. Bring us home. I will. I will. Because I just think it is a great lesson of world building is the introduction of Kino Loy and his base. It is basically just info dumping of how the prison works. Um, first of all, I love Andy Serkis. I am so happy that he is now not just doing motion picture, uh, motion capture, but he is also live action acting. And he, you know, he is the unit manager who immediately takes Cassian and shows him how everything is done and introduces him to the notion that all of the tables in the room and all the rooms in the facility are in constant competition against each other. And those who are on the bottom, they will be punished as Cassian <laughs> finds out the same day. And I think in terms of world building, it's just a really great way of doing it because, yeah, it is kind of a monologue about, okay, here's how this new surrounding works but i don't think you really see it and it, and it is just superbly done and more andy circus is what i'm saying the more the better it i love this sequence and i love it's just like yeah it, you're starting a new show and every single yeah. few episodes and you need this info dump and it's just so entertaining and and so interesting and and you feel the confusion that's going on in Cassian's face because this whole time he's just like what 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 yeah. and <laughs> how often is like the avatar for for the audience the main character of the show receiving all the info dump it's just it's such a common way to do things but it's so captivating in this episode and it's just so well effect and effectively done and yeah just more please <laughs> absolutely and we will get more. And on that note, uh, we're going to talk next week about the next episode. I'm so excited for what's coming up next. And conceivably, we'll have, we're going to have a, a prison break um, next episode. Maybe the episode after that. I'm not entirely sure. I thought it would be next episode, but... I think it's going to be the third one now. Yeah, I think it's going to be the one after. So I, I, I totally agree here. So I wonder what's going to come up. I am just super excited for this so tune in next time to one when we talk about this and we'll be talking next weekend hopefully about Andor episode nine and obviously if you've listened to this show you've seen Andor, and um just spread the word for the show because it really deserves as many eyes as possible and just you know it's just a, such a great show we should all be rewarding this great stuff so thank you for listening uh and I guess for Rashad, I'm Chris. Nope. For Chris, I'm Rashad. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, talk to you next time. Bye. Oh, man. So I did prepare, and I know that I have to do the intro. So, ha Good. I, Good. I am ahead of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought about, I thought about messaging you about it, but I, uh, then, I, then I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to see if he remembers. But it's always this thing, I think, about is it my turn? Is it my turn? And I always just check my notes and say, oh, it is my turn or it is not my turn after I had literally forgotten it like three times in a row. I swear 
everything we say on this podcast, I immediately forget as soon as we hit yeah. stop. I That's why I have the notes. Them. So, <laughs> uh, Thank you for your notes and everything. Welcome to the Weekly Hook, where your nope. hookers, Chris and Rashad. And this is not, not the, the Weekly, weekly hook. hook. Yep. Welcome to, um, what are we serially hooked? Star Wars. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> again um, for joining us. Thank you. We are your hookers, Chris and Rashad, and my name is Rashad, <laughs> and with me is Chris. <laughs> Oh my god. Today we're going to be discussing the 8th episode of Andor and um whew, uh boy we're in for a great conversation. <laughs> I feel like it's gotten worse since we've written our interest <laughs> down. How is this possible? Oh I have god. no idea. Oh okay, I'm so sorry. Let me just like I'm going to reset here. Mhm. 